And now, the Time Fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. And the first headline is actually due to a one-liner that was just introduced to the MMA lexicon. Actually, a couple of them. Let's start off with one that came from a Q&A session. So, Ben Askren had a Q&A session. Uh, he and uh, JoJo, they were there doing a Q&A for uh, the people that had gathered there for the weigh-in. And uh, it just turned into the Ben Askren show. Uh, he was boom roasting everybody. Everybody wanted to be boom roasted. And they kept referring to him as a curly-headed fellow. Well, not fellow, but, you know, your man of voice keeps it clean. So you can read between the lines as to what they said. And Askren thought so much of the statement that he went out and got a t-shirt made with it. Instead of uh, being uh, off color regarding things, he replaced the letter with a silhouette of himself, at least his head. So, uh, yeah, he, he's making the most of that. And uh, Till came and charged the stage while he was out there. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to fight. I want to fight Till. I think he's going to win. That's what I want to fight. But if he doesn't win, I fight uh, Jorge Masvidal. It doesn't matter. I fight either one of them. I want to fight either one of them. Let's get it done. Jorge Masvidal then shocked the world and gave Till his second consecutive loss and second professional loss by way of knockout knock him clean out if you haven't seen it by now just go uh, online to the social media sites and you'll definitely see headlines of it all that was well and good Askren could have fought Jorge and may still we don't know what's going to happen what we do know that happened though is afterwards backstage which is also all over social media. Jorge Masvidal is being interviewed by Laura Sanko and the winner of the co-main event, Leon Edwards is chirping in the back and, and saying some different things. Uh, Jorge then says, well, come, you know, say it to my face. Say it to my face. Walked over, hands behind his back, non-threatening position. Uh, speaking of the Q&A, at the open workout, Jorge Masvidal actually held a impromptu street fighting seminar and a bit of a Q&A as well. He did that when he first got there and ended out the time with using said skills versus Leon Edwards. So he walked over, hands behind his back, non-threatening, holding uh, the guardrail again, non-threatening. And you see Edward's hands go up kind of quickly. And then all of a sudden, Jorge just lets off four shots. Now, only three of them hit him. And in a interview with Brad Akimoto, 
he said he had to hit him with the three piece in the soda I guess the soda was that fourth shot that did not hit him for the uninitiated and Jorge did break this down for Mr. Uninitiated himself Ariel Helwani on his show this week when he was saying three pieces in the soda he was saying a combo a chicken combo three pieces with a soda as well Oftentimes, combinations in uh, in the urban realm get that kind of treatment. For instance, if you catch somebody with a one-two combo, uh, which we will be going over the old one-two uh, later on in the MTMV main card, as we always do. But anyway, if you hit them with the old one-two, generally it's called two-piece and a biscuit. You know, a game of two-piece. This also helps with understanding why Tyron Woodley calls his overhand right chicken biscuit. It's just all wrapped up together in one. It's not a two-piece. It's not the three-piece with a soda that Jorge let off. It's just one big old punch with everything together. You got the chicken and the biscuit all in one. Wow. Well, after getting pieced up, Edwards was so upset. Now, this was his crowning achievement. He beat Gunnar Nelson. The man was being booed in his own country. That still blows my mind. But Edwards was being booed in the UK, fighting someone from Iceland. Beat Gunnar Nelson in the fight. Should have been his crowning achievement. All he can think about is getting pieced up by Jorge Masvidal. He got his stuff, went home, had his uh, brothers and his team drive him home that night, did no celebrating, just went home. So, uh, is it likely that uh, Jorge and Leon will do it in a sanction bout? Yeah, it's highly probable. Um, when? Who knows? One other thing that happened, or I should say a couple other things that happened at UFC London that were of note. One is that Michael Bisping was announced as going into the Hall of Fame. That ceremony will take place this upcoming July during the International Fight Weekend. That's absolutely wonderful. I'm so happy for Bisping. Uh, he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So much has gone on and so many headlines. Not going to talk about that right now. I will do a Blood, Sweat, and Tears in a future episode and highlight why Bisping should be in the Hall of Fame. Something else, though, that happened that was very controversial was a stoppage of a fight between Hannibal and Hot Chocolate. People was oh oh and including Dana. Oh that was terrible. It was it was terrible. He he didn't uh verbally submit it was wrong. Uh they should have let him go on. Okay, so what he grunted. Let's not forget that Joe Warren lost his belt due to the same situation in March of 2015. He was caught in a submission I believe by Marcus Galvo and he screamed out in pain because it hurt and that was enough to stop the fight so you cannot be screaming and grunting loud 
in a submission or the ref has the right has the responsibility to save you from yourself and stop the fight okay that's all for UFC London uh, as far as headlines and hot takes that I had for that so much other stuff going on I mean this week was full of headlines full of them you got just recently Conor McGregor saying the trilogy fight with Nate is gonna happen that he owes it to well saying as Cowboy has now been paired up with Ally Quinta for Ottawa it makes sense for him to say these things does that mean that the ball is rolling Mm, could be especially after Nate put out a quote talking about our fight at 185 and Connor was like look I don't care just you know what weight it is I want to fight so things may be a brewing for that trilogy fight and if that happens your man the voice uh, will be there with my I'm not surprised shirt on because yeah uh, Nate Diaz that's, that's, that's my dude anyway uh, you know I try to be unbiased but I got my biases and I'm uh, I'm owning those things something else that happened this week in the world of of fight entertainment and specifically dealing with actually both both MMA and boxing entertainment there's a lot of deals and a lot of moving about as far as streams are concerned the zone they have been talking about some different ways of trying to uh, make money. I know I saw some things about uh, getting ads on the zone through the Wall Street Journal. I remember taking a survey not too long ago asking, hey, how much do you think we can or should charge for this? I was like, uh, they're going to try to go up on the race already. Well, I was right and got word today from the zone themselves that the price is going up doubling in price from $9.99 to $19.99 a month for the zone however you can get it for a year at $100 that's a good deal even at paying $9.99 a month, which those people who'd already subscribed to the zone will keep that rate until March of 2020. So, uh, as a zone subscriber, I have that rate until that time frame. But $100 for the year is not bad at all. And honestly, I will probably do that versus waiting because I'll save myself $20 in the long run. And I won't have to worry about this thing hitting my account every month either. So kind of killing two birds with one stone. I know I did that for my fight pass. I mean, not fight pass, my ESPN plus subscription. And now after just three months of broadcasting, ESPN renegotiated their deal with the UFC added on an additional two years so now the ufc will be exclusively shown on espn properties until 2025 but it gets deeper than that when i say exclusively there was a piece of the puzzle 
a piece of the pie that the that was not under the umbrella of the contract that the UFC had with ESPN, and that's pay-per-views that was split out among a myriad of different providers, your direct TVs of the world, uh, your uh, in-moment events or whatever they call it for cable, uh, your uh, dish networks, your, your different people of that nature. Well, that's under the ESPN banner too, because in order to get a pay-per-view going forward, you have to be a ESPN Plus subscriber. Now, they've made things nice, so if you do get a pay-per-view, what was $65 is now $60 for the pay-per-view because of your $5 Fight Pass. I'm not Fight Pass. I keep calling it Fight Pass. ESPN Plus subscription. I'm sorry. I got too many fighting subscriptions on the mind right now. But because of that subscription, it's only $60 for the pay-per-view. So you're kind of getting ESPN Plus for free if you're ordering pay-per-views on a regular basis that me I'm not one that orders them I do see them because you know your man the voice will be out and about and providing round by round coverage of it but I usually do that going to different venues my question is how is that going to impact them because many of those venues were using the closed caption or I should say closed caption but closed circuit feature through your direct TVs and your dish networks of the world oftentimes they'll have internet access at those places for free so getting ESPN plus should be there and available but how much are they gonna have to pay for ESPN plus and now will they start broadcasting ESPN plus things at those kind of venues yeah, it's, it's really really interesting of course they've got some way of working all that out because that's a major stream of revenue for them so i don't know how that works but that's one thing that's really on my mind well as is become the the motto or i shouldn't say the motto but it's become custom on the MTMV main card to close out headlines and hot takes with a prayer list. And on this week's prayer list, praying for TJ Dillashaw because he made history this week. Joined a select few of UFC champions. He joined the likes of John Jones, Josh Barnett, Sean Shirk, and Tim Sylvia. What does he have in common with them now? All of those champions tested positive for a banned substance and they were stripped of their titles. Now, TJ tried to get ahead of things and he relinquished his title. To me, it really reminds me of a time when an employee that I had was about to be fired. And when I was speaking with them about that, they said, no, I, I quit. I like, okay, I mean, I mean, it's still the same. You're not going to be working with me anymore. And them quitting really, really made things easier on me, made the conversation easier, made some other things easier. And in a way, it kind of does the same for the UFC because they don't have to put out anything about having to strip them and all that. Uh, It's just a done deal. And now they can regroup and see where to go 
with the bantamweight division. I don't know if this was just a marketing ploy by TJ. To me, it seems like it's that way because he was going to be on the shelf for a year anyway. The uh, New York Athletic Commission is the one that issued the suspension a year-long suspension which means he's not fighting anywhere for a year because of this positive test like i said the other four champions who had these kind of things happen were stripped as well so again i I think it was just him trying to get ahead of it and at least relinquishing it he can say hey i did this uh you know I, I, I'm the one who's doing it. I'm trying to be honorable in the way that I'm handling it. But it really seems like a shallow and veiled attempt to save face. And if that's the case, I mean, again, this is why it's on the prayer list. It just it just doesn't look good. And the it, the situation is bad. Now, he's owning it, saying, hey, it's there. I'm, I've got it for a year. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, but it, again, it just doesn't look good. Uh, I appreciate him being forward thinking and trying to get ahead of it, but that doesn't make it any better. And it actually makes him look more and more guilty. Now, I don't know if it was intentional or not. What I do know is that Chad Mendez, his friend, and I believe his business partner in Fins and Feathers, just got back in the game mid-year 2018 after a two-year suspension for a positive test. All that TJ has thus far from New York is a year. USADA could weigh in and add more to that. Most people are thinking that he took a diuretic, which is the reason why only a year was given. But we don't know because the process has not played out yet. Again, TJ said some things. He may have said that because he thought New York was going to say it and he wanted it to come out of his mouth. Either way it goes, I'm praying for him because if it was intentional and he felt like he had to take something in order to be in that fight or if it was by accident and he's just dealing with the fallout of it, Either way it goes, it's a bad situation. And with the way that things are being approached, it's not helping uh, the snake persona that has been cast upon him and that he's been embracing fully over the past couple years. Other person on the prayer list is Frank Shamrock, who got some animal cruelty charges in the state of Texas. He left a dog in a truck at the airport with some food and water there at Love Field and got on a plane going back home to California. He did that because he couldn't find a home for the dog. His mother had two dogs. He was in Texas trying to help her move because she needed to get out of the home that she was in. She really can't take care of herself anymore. Definitely could not care for the animals. And he found a home for one, but he couldn't find a home for this one because of an older dog, seven to eight years old. Nobody wanted an old dog. And he said that he cried and ran away from the truck when he went and got on the airplane. 
All of these things are detailed in an interview that he did with WFAA. Now, I'm not sure why he didn't just take it to the pound. Maybe his heart couldn't take the thought of the dog being put down because like, it's an old dog. Nobody's going to get it anyway. Maybe if I leave it here, someone will see it and they'll say, oh, my goodness, this dog needs to be rescued and I'll take it in. And the thought of giving the dog to a pound where he very well, he or she very well could have been put down on top of the fact of having to move his mother due to her deteriorating health may have just been way too much for him. I don't know um because that's a pretty serious situation which is the reason why he's on the prayer list and i'm praying for both of these gentlemen all right it was so much that went on this week i knew headlines on how texas was going to be longer than normal but we're done with them so you know what's up next some sweet science conversation in the old one too Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one, two. On Tuesday, there was a press conference for Deontay Wilder regarding his next fight, a mandatory challenge from Dominic Brazil. We didn't know where the fight was going to be. We know that he met with the zone and everything looked good with that. We know that he received a contract from top rank as soon as Fury signed with ESPN. So it's like, you know, where is he going to go? Where is he going to fight? You know, is this going to be on Fox? You know, what is he going to do? Well, we found out in that press conference that the fight will be on Showtime within the Showtime Championship Boxing Series. And that's where this specific fight is going to take place. Well, Steven Espinoza is the head of Showtime Sports, and he pulled a Suge Knight at the Source Awards on Tuesday. He was like, if you don't want a multi-fight contract stipulation for your matchup, if you don't, if you want to fight where Floyd and Mikey fought after they got from under their contracts, come to Showtime. I mean, it, it was reminiscent of Suge on the Source Awards. You know, it's like, look, if you want to be free, you know, you don't, you want to be able to fight and be where free fighters fight. You need to come to Showtime, and that's understandable. The Zone has been making a lot of noise. ESPN Plus has as well. Talked about uh, both of the deals that they had in headlines and hot takes with the Major League Baseball package that's coming to the zone it's going to make that amount that they're asking for a lot more worthwhile for a number of sports fans and Steven Espinosa has to hold on to these boxes because every boxer that goes to another platform is money out of his pocket as far as sports are concerned with Showtime boxing is king so he needed to throw some shots uh, figuratively and literally to stay in the fight game this fight between Brazil and Wilder has a backstory that is like crazy this is a bad 
blood fight. I mean, there were death threats, supposedly people coming with guns to kill different fighters, brawls with family members involved on both sides. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy the way that things have gone down in the past with Wilder and Brazil. Wilder tried to downplay his opponent and actually kind of no-sold the fight. He's like, you know, this is not pay-per-view worthy. I, I, I don't want this on pay-per-view. This, this doesn't need to be on pay-per-view. It's not pay-per-view worthy. Well, if you're saying it's not pay-per-view worthy, then is this a fight I really should be watching? I don't know because though it may not be pay-per-view worthy, it's on Showtime and Showtime is not free. That means there's going to have to be some kind of exchange of money for me to watch it. Should I really be doing this if this is not a pay-per-view worthy fight from your mouth? What he was trying to say, at least what I believe is what he was trying to say, is that this is a mandatory. He didn't even recognize or acknowledge uh, Brazil by name in the beginning. He was like, you know, yes, I'm here to fight my mandatory so he was really trying to take shots at him and he was really trying to say his skill level is not worthy of the prestige the time and energy that it that goes into making a pay-per-view he's not up to snuff as far as that's concerned so why put in that kind of effort when he's not worthy Again, it's been real bad blood between them. And that brawl between family members with both sides were involved is when Wilder came to the hotel where Brazil was staying with his family after a fight. It was all in Alabama. Fight was in Alabama. And supposedly, Brazil said that he was sending some people uh, armed to go to kill Wilder, which yeah, I mean, this is crazy. You all are fighters. Why are you trying to kill somebody? How about just set up a fight and <laughs> settle your differences and get paid for it? Which is what's going to happen. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But supposedly, this is what happened, and this is what Wilder believes. Wilder's cruiserweight brother wound up getting into the action and dropped. Brazil, which that's uh, there's information out there on YouTube about all that as well. So yeah, they've been going back and forth as far as this is concerned. And Wilder was really, really fired up about this fight again. He kind of tried to um, play down. Um, he tried to play down Dominic's abilities. But no soul the fight. He called the man Dominique trying to get at him. But he said that outside of the fight with Romain Stavern, he has not wanted to fight someone as bad as he wants to fight Dominic Brazil. Now, Wilder, even without this kind of fuel, is a passionate, wild fighter. Will having this extra fuel or really wanting to hurt this man cause him to leave himself more open and possibly lose out on the big paydays that are right there for the taking with uh, Anthony Joshua. 
or with a um, Fury rematch. Mm, it's, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I'm I don't know what what I did see, which makes Wilder taking this fight a lot easier for him, or I should say, makes it make a lot more sense and not as dangerous. Is that? Dominic Brazil didn't seem like he really wanted to engage when they got to the face-off. Wilder was talking the whole time. He looked like he was just ready to go at it right then when they were coming to be face-to-face. And they wanted to make sure that someone was in between them. Uh, The promoters did. Brazil stopped like really, really far away from Wilder. Now, maybe he did that because he knows I'm so upset if I'm too close and he says the wrong thing that I'm going to mess everything up and I'm going to kill this man. I don't know, but it just didn't look good. Definitely round one went to Deontay and if things go the way that it was looking at that face-off, he may have won the fight even before they step in the ring. Alright, let's talk about the televised line up for this week and that will be in our next segment what's up guys john here coming at you representing tinseltown la la land itself that's right It's L.A. Confidential bringing you the newest Laker podcast up to date game breakdown, up to date game analysis. What is scenarios, outlooks for the season, whatever it is, if it's Lakers, I'm bringing it on the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. Trying to start your week off right every Monday with L.A. Confidential. Thank you. Come hang out. Hey everybody, this is Tariq Wynn, author, talk show host, sports analyst, TV show host, news anchor, you name it. You are tuning in to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Fight fans back at it again in the 012. Now, let's talk about the televised lineup for the weekend and it starts off on Saturday morning early Saturday morning stateside from Thailand on the zone you have Apachet Petamani taking on Shoto Suito for the WBC Asian silver lightweight title in the UK, Leicester specifically, on ESPN Plus, Sam Bowden takes on Jordan McCrory as a 12-round junior lightweight bout, and also on that card, you got Nathan Gorman versus Fabio Maldonado. That name should sound familiar to you if you are an MMA fan. Uh, Fabio Maldonado has fought in uh, the UFC in uh, the uh, ABC, it's fought, I mean, ACB, it's fought a number of different places. Matter of fact, had a real nice fight with Fedor a couple years back. That joker was wild. Anyway, he is 
a boxer has always had a boxing style and he's doing so professionally that's a 12 round heavyweight bout also on that side of the pond in london on the zone charlie edwards number five ranked flyweight in the world and wbc titleist will put that title on the line versus angel moreno so you know that's a 12 round fight then rounding things off for saturday from costa mesa california on espn kubrat puliev number 10th ranked heavyweight in the world will face bogdan dinu that's a 10 round heavyweight fight also on that card jesse magdaleno who's the number seventh ranked featherweight in the world will have a featherweight bout with uh, rico ramos also for 10 rounds as well as the uh, other fight that's of note maxim dadashev versus ricky sismundo that is a 10 round junior welterweight bout it doesn't stop there though because we got some fights on sunday too this time on fox sports one from oxen hill maryland the peterson brothers yeah they're going to get together and fight on the same card you got lamont peterson taking on sergey lipnitz uh, they will fight a 12 round affair and then anthony's got a 12 round matchup at junior welterweight sorry lamont's fighting at welterweight anthony's at junior welterweight they're both fighting for 12 rounds anthony's taking on argenis mendez want to stay up to date with yankees baseball listen to bronx bombers beat with me nate shelton every monday right here on mtmv sports fans rejoice my team my voice Hey yo, what up? It's Tori Deshaun, aka Booby, and you listening to MTMV Sports Scat. The old one-two is done for this episode, so we step out of the squared circle and into Bellator's cage for Bellator 218, which will take place at the Windstar Casino in Thackerville, Oklahoma, one of their spots that they go to on a regular basis. The curtain jerker for this card, you have 27-3 and a totally toke-off taking on 25-7-1 Gerald the Hurricane Harris, and this is a middleweight bout. Since leaving the WSOF in 2013, the tough vet Harris has had all but one of his fights in his home state of Oklahoma. When he went back to the regional scene, he was too much for the competition. Since stepping back up to the big leagues, though, he's been winless. Granted, he faced a man who had his last bout agreement for the world title in Javier Lovato Jr. and a rising star in the welterweight division in Yaroslav Amosov. He faces yet another who seems to be destined for Bellator greatness in Tokov, who unlike Harris has won all of his Bellator bouts and stopping two of them thoroughly dominating former champ Alexander Shlomenko in his last outing. Most of Tokov's wins have come due to strikes 
He has a handful of taps too, though. Harris would do well to use his vaunted wrestling background to try to grind out the win. Next fight on the main card for Bellator 218 is a fight that got bumped up from the prelims. It was supposed to be Mike Seabass Shipman versus Racho Racho Man Darpinian. I want to say his name so bad. I've just been waiting for it to to do the old Racho Racho Man. Uh, But something happened. That fight is off. And in steps Norbert Novieni Jr. At 3-0, taking on the 1-1 Will the Thrill Levine. This is also a middleweight bout. Like I said, it was bumped up from the prelims. Norbert is a Hungarian who fights out of London. Uh, He's got two submissions and a decision in his unblemished record of 3-0. His last bout was in his native land of Hungary under the Bellator banner. The Thrill, his first pro fight, was under the Bellator banner. It was also in his native land, Kansas, that is. Since that fight, which was a loss, he rebounded with a TKO and looks to improve to 2-1 versus Norbert. The co-main event for the night is 17, I'm sorry, 19-7, Linton the Swarm Vassal taking on 7-1 Valentin Moldovsky. This will be a heavyweight fight and it's the Voices marquee matchup because it's a heavyweight. I mean, the Swarm is looking to reinvent himself at this weight class and it has so much intrigue. Twice Linton has challenged for the 205 title and come up short. He's beaten former champs like Emmanuel Newton and Liam McGeary, just not when they held the belt. His last attempt was against the current champion, so his last attempt to get the championship was versus current 205 and heavyweight champion Ryan Bader. In the last fight that Vassar had, it was against former champ Phil Davis, and he, yeah, he got kind of whooped on. He's hoping to get back on the winning track with a change of scenery amongst the big boys of MMA. Standing across the cage is a protege of Fedor Emelianenko's, who's only lost one time. He's undefeated under the Bellator banner, and the combat sample practitioner looks to keep that streak alive. Valentin's last win was by strikes. Generally, he likes to get things to the ground where he can apply submissions. At 7-4, since joining Bellator, if it's not a decision win, then it's come by way of the canvas with three taps or a ground and pound win of Sokaju four years ago for Linton Vassal. The main event of the evening pits 18 and 4. Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez versus 28, 8 and 1. Georgie, insane Karahanian. This fight 
is at featherweight and it is a rematch two years in the making Uh, last time these two faced off was on the main card of tito ortiz and chael sonnen at the forum in inglewood and sanchez picked up a win by majority decision insane's last fight was just that insane as he got hit with a shot after the horn he told the ref that his opponent was tapping when he released the choke his opponent protested and then as they were all talking about it he just uh, wailed on him and hit him real good to the point that Karahanian was laying there face down holding his face uh, on the mat he could not continue and the fight was called as a no contest that shot was so bad that he just could not go on however the organization thought that he should continue like look uh, you you kind of punked out you should have got up and, and kept fighting you're soft <laughs> that's what the promoters pretty much told him they used some other words but I'm going to say that you're soft now he's back in Bellator and looking for some normalcy El Matador he's just looking to get back in the win column his original opponent dropped out and he was outclassed thoroughly outclassed by the champion Patricio Pitbull in his last fight the only losses in Sanchez's 13 fight Bellator career have been at the hands of champions and or title challengers he said he lost to Pitbull he also lost to former champ Pat Curran as well as former title challenger Daniel Weichel the question really is though whose game has improved most over the past two years when El Matador and Insane locked up for the first time we'll find out Friday night up next let's take a little pause for the calls and I'll come back previewing the UFC's card on ESPN Plus coming to you from Nashville, Cashville, Tennessee. Mike check one two one two. It's your man Jake Kells representing my team, my voice, and I'm the host of the number one sports show on the planet, Star Talk, where we talk everything about your team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, every Saturday night right here on Anchor, my team, my voice. Yo, 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 this your boy E-Hud, God's MC, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Peace. Coming to you from the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee, it's UFC Nashville and the Curtain Jerker is Macy the Future Barber, undefeated at 6-0, taking on 7-2 J.J. Aldridge. This is a straw weight bout. Both are riding win streaks into this fight. The Future, as I stated before, is undefeated, and J.J. has won her last three all but two of JJ's fights have gone to the judges. 
both of her stoppages have been by strikes. Macy, on the other hand, has only gone to the judges one time. Most of her wins have come by ground and pound, so look for her to try to get it to the mat. For JJ, if she can frustrate her, keep it standing, grind things out, she may get the victory. Stamina should not be a problem for either one of these fighters, as they both train at altitude. Barber in Fort Collins and JJ in Denver, Colorado for both. Next bout up is 5-1 Luis the Violent Bob Ross Pena versus 17-7 Steven Ocho Peterson at Featherweight. And this is the Voices Marquee matchup for a number of reasons, most of which surround Pena. Will he make weight? He's been fighting at 155 his career. He's skinny, and he's long for 155. Where do those other 10 pounds come from? Dustin Poirier has some success at 145, but he said he couldn't improve because most of his time was spent cutting weight. How will this weight cut impact Pena? He's young, but will he be so drained that he can't perform? How does he respond after his first loss? Until the last fight, he was undefeated, and he went into that fight with a great deal of confidence. He's like, look, I'm fighting against the champ. I beat the Magomedov every day. What can you do to me in this ring? What they can do to him is give him an L, and he took that L from Mike Trezano in his last fight. Can he bounce back from that? Will he bounce back? If so, how does he bounce back? And how does he do that against the most experienced fighter that he's ever faced? Last but not least, something that caused this fight to be very intriguing for me is that Pena has ties to St. Louis. So, you know, I'm highly vested in the fight. And anytime anyone with ties to my hometown fights, yeah, it's kind of hard not to make it the voice of Marky matchup. Ocho has been trading wins and losses over his past five fights. If that streak continues, then the violent Bob Ross should win, should paint a masterpiece. Both of these fighters have stopped most of their opponents, though, by submission so it could be an interesting ground match with great scrambles and slick submissions however Pena has some phenomenal striking skills and he'd be served best to keep this one standing uh, to win third fight on the card you've got 22 and 5 Juicy A Formiga versus 15 and 0 Devinson Dudes get dudes together, Figueredo at flyweight. And honestly, I'm surprised the UFC hasn't told these guys, hey, look, don't worry about getting down to 125. Uh, we stripped TJ of the Bantamweight belt, and looks like the flyweight division is pretty much a done deal anyway. So you just do it at featherweight. I mean, not featherweight, at bantamweight. If they were to do that, honestly, though, it would be a shame because both of these fighters 
have been doing phenomenal, phenomenal work in this weight class. Juicy A Formiga is on a three-fight win streak and has stopped two of those opponents by submission. But what else do you expect when the fighter trains at Kimura Nova Unyao? Not just Nova Unyao, Kimura Nova Unyao. Deuce Deguerra, yeah, his undefeated streak includes four fights in the UFC, stopping all but two of his foes. Figueredo has a penchant for striking, but he can tap you too. I don't know if he wants to go to the ground with Formiga, though. Then again, I didn't think Leon Edwards wanted to go to the ground with Gunnar Nelson last week, and we see how that turned out. The fourth fight on the main card pits 16-6 John the Bull McDessey versus 16-4 Jesus El Mudo Pinedo. This is a lightweight bout. El Mudo is making his second trip to the octagon and last tasted defeat in December of 2015. Since then, the Peruvian has won seven straight bouts, including six by stoppage. His only decision was his last win, which came in his UFC debut in Argentina. I'm not sure if it was the bright lights or the higher level of competition that broke that finishing streak. We'll find out as he's taking on the Canadian John McDessie, who's making his 16th walk to the octagon. He has been fighting for the UFC since 2010, and the Bull looks to make it three in a row. The last time John stopped somebody, though, was back in 2013. Grinding out W's is usually how he rolls. Will the Bull's big show experience prove to be too much for Jesus? Or will Pinedo mute Magdesi and make it eight in a row? We'll find out Saturday night. For the co-main event, you've got Curtis Razorblades at 10 and 2, facing 8 and 1 Justin Big Pretty Willis at heavyweight. Blades is looking to rebound from his second pro loss. Both of those come to the hands of Francis Ngannou. An impressive win could have Blades angling for a quick turnaround fight in Sweet Home Chicago this June, which is his hometown. Outside of his debut fight, Big Pretty has been pretty effective winning every single match outside of that. Training with the current heavyweight champ, Daniel Cormier, and former heavyweight champ, Cain Velasquez, the work he puts in at AKA is probably harder than anything that he would face on fight night. That could cause him to be overconfident, though. And Pena kind of admitted, who also trains at AKA, that he came into his last fight overconfident, thinking, look, I fight against Habib Nurmagomedov, the champ, every single day. What is this dude going to do to me? Now, it wasn't all that exciting, but Willis thoroughly dominated Mark Hunt last time he was in the cage. Blades feels as if his wrestling style is unmatched in MMA. He'll be facing someone, though, 
who trains with some of the best wrestlers ever to do it. In the main event of the evening, 14-3-1, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson takes on former WEC and former UFC lightweight champion, 21-8, Anthony Showtime Pettis at welterweight. To borrow a phrase that was used on Ariel and the Bad Guy, this is a striker's delight. You have sport karate versus taekwondo. Two of the highest skilled strikers in the UFC facing off against one another. Because of Wonder Boy's back-to-back battles with Woodley, Showtime should have some knowledge of his tails and patterns because Woodley trains with Pettis. Wonder Boy, on the other hand, is in a unique position. There's so much turnover and turmoil and uncertainty at welterweight. And the greatest barrier to Wonder Boy from getting back to a title shot was Woodley. Because they had a draw where many people thought that Woodley won. And the technical matchup that he had with Woodley the second go around left most fans uninspired. Now that Usman is back atop, or I should say is atop the welterweight division, yeah, Wonder Boy has a new lease on a championship life. If he can spectacularly beat the former lightweight champ, Stephen could very well leapfrog Covington and be the first challenger for the new champ. Now, this is Pettis' first fight at welterweight and he really kind of did it as a one-off because he wanted to challenge his skills and test them against wonder boy now rumor has it that showtime is fitting well into his welterweight frame so this could be more than a one-off with a crowded welterweight division and two of his teammates being atop that division in both Ben Askren, who was at one point Pettis' wrestling coach, as well as Tyron Woodley, it might be wise for him to go back down to 155. What may be wise as well is that he engaged in a ground battle with Thompson. Pettis won the UFC title by tapping out Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and wrestle heavy fighter Ben Henderson which style will win out sport karate or taekwondo we won't know until the pin drops the cage door locks the thumbs go up and they start the clock up next the official results Go old school on him. Hit him with something my capella. <laughs> For sure. I'm red and I'm bold. I'm red and I'm bold. I'm red and I'm bold. Listen, I'm red and I'm bold. Yo, yo. 
If you ready for some cheese news, you in the right place. It's Will Smith with Red and Bow. You can catch the show every Friday. It's my team and my voice. It's showtime. You made the right choice. Got the MVP of the whole league. Got the wide out with the most speed in 15. Can throw the ball from the 15 to the 15. Reside in the A, but your boy was born and raised in the streets of KC. M-O. Red and Bow, so let's go. My team's so phenomenal. It's Red and Bow. It's Red and Bow. Yo, what's up? This is Avila, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Yeah. This has been episode 83 of the MTMV main card. And if the Lord says the same, I'll be back at it again next week. There's some other fights going on this week, though. Friday on Fight Pass, you got Island Fights Boxing which is headed up by Roy Jones Jr. Y'all must have forgot. And also on Friday, Access TV has LFA. On Saturday morning, you can catch KSW on The Zone. If you like what you hear, tell a friend about MTMV Sports. We are rapidly approaching a thousand listens and we could use your help getting there. Subscribe and review us on your favorite audio platform we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher spreaker TuneIn radio and anchor.fm salute to them for making it all possible as well as a number of other platforms fight fans i want to hear your hot takes so leave a message you can do that either via anchor.fm or you can call the MTMV Sports sideline. Your hot takes, the best ones, I will put on the main card. The number for the MTMV Sports sideline is 470-228-MTMV. Again, that's 470-228-MTMV. Or you can leave a message via the Anchor app. Tickets are still on the line for Bellator 220. You can go to Bellator 220. And the only thing that you have to do is leave a message to possibly get in the doors of the SAP Center to see Fitch versus McDonald for the welterweight title, as well as Ortega versus Elimelech McFarlane for the flyweight belt. Cass Bell is on that card. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on, and all you got to do is leave a message, and you very well may get into the SAP Center in San Jose, California. Sports fans, rejoice! My team, my voice, and until next time, it's your man, the voice host of the MTMV main card, and I'm sounding off.